Change is a challenge. It's something that we all face and it's something that we're all trying to figure out. I have concluded the year series. The question for the year was, why don't people do what they say they're going to do? The reason I pick one question to answer a year is because you can't say you don't know what I talked about. Because he's only talking about one thing. And all year he gives us 12 answers to that question. You go back through the series, it's all free, it's on the app, it's on websites. You can see all the sermons and the videos there, the notes are there, it's all for you. Coming upon a new year, there's a new question that rises in my mind. And it's a question about our future. It is true when you get a certain age, you start thinking about it differently. At 65, you think a little bit differently about it because, hey, you're 65. The golden age of retirement, they used to say. And some still say it. But the reality is, for some people, when they get to that age, they don't have much of a dream about a future. They think they've lived their lives, which I think is a tragic thought. Because you're wiser than you've ever been. You've learned more, made more mistakes, learned from them all. Now you know. Can, I, can you say what Please say, now I know. Now you I know. do. The older you get, now you know. You will never date a person like that again. They could be wrapped in beautiful clothes, but you know she crazy, he crazy. You now know. You will never spend your money that way again. You'll never eat like that again. Maybe. You get the point, though. Thoughts come to your mind that are different than any time in your life. And so for me, if you ask me what was the one question that I have in my mind, one concern, it's about our future. Because that is the question at this season of life for me, future. And is it protected? Have I protected the future? Have I protected you beyond me? Are you ready to start over again at this season of your life and protect your future? And that is the goal of today's message. It's all about you. Every January, we start over on the calendar. It's a chance to start over, a chance to say, hey, this is it. Got one more day, last Sunday, no more opportunities in this year to, to teach you, to talk to you. And so the question is, are you ready to start over? But this time I want you to start over with one thought, how to protect your future. And that's the question for next year. So how, how? to protect, to protect. Your, future. your future. Now I'm going to give you the answer to that. The answer is what we'll talk about all next year. Improve your thinking. If you want to protect your future, if you want your thinking to work right, you want your future to work right, the way you think, the way you process has to change, has to improve. How many of you would say, since middle school, my thinking has improved? Don't take your hand, that time that long to raise your hand. Come on. If you're... <laughs> Some of you are still in middle school, I understand. You can't say it yet. You think about elementary school. Let's just say it in general, because some of you suck. Let's say it again. Has your thinking improved? If so, raise your hand. In what ways has your thinking improved? Talk to me. Let's see. Raise your hand. Commit your life. Yes, in the back. Money. Her thinking has improved regarding her money. Somebody else. 
Raise your hand. Commit your life. Yes. You learn how not to compare yourself to everybody else. You go, girl. That's what I'm talking about. Yes, ma'am. Patience. Patience. Relationships. Yes. Meditating on God's word. Yes. How to spend your time. You talk now. Somebody else. Where you at? Yes. How to plan for what? For things. How to plan for things. You're already a good planner, but that's amazing for you to say that to me. Plan for things. I love that. Somebody else. Yes, sir. Wisdom. Wisdom. Yes, sir. Standing on your faith. Yes. Exercise. Yes, ma'am, Miss Helen. Stop complaining. Talk now. Yes. Say what? Prayer life. Being organized. Yes. Focus on the things that are important in life. In the way in the back. Focus on improving your, improving your health? Yes. Marriage. Say it again. Marriage. One more time. <laughs> Did you say marriage? Lord Jesus. Mm. You see, you got one more back there, businessman. What you saying to him? Say what? At peace. At peace. Sometimes in your life, I see one more in the dark, and I got to stop with you. What's the last one? Friendship. Friendship. There are moments in life when you have to focus your life to thinking better. Because in the past, you didn't think right about certain things. And if you're not careful, that will continue. The answer to the previous questions were pretty obvious for the month. I ask you, I answer the question, why people don't do what they say they're going to do, and I told you, because they don't know where they are. That was the answer for December. And I talked about Adam and Eve. And I talked about hiding. And how sometimes you're hiding. Sometimes you're naked. Sometimes you're blaming others. Sometimes you, you're not really, if you're careful, you're not fixable. We talked about that whole thing. You know, go ahead and listen to that whole series. It's really great. But today it's all about starting over. Whatever happened, now we're starting over. I was uh, spoken to by a member on the way up here. Brittany Walker asked me a question. She said to me, she said, you know, Pastor, did you read a book um, called Crucial Conversations by Patterson and McMillan? And I said, yeah, I think I have that one. So I pulled up my little Kindle and I looked at it. And I realized, yeah, I looked at that book. But somehow when she asked me that question, it fit into the sermon so I'm just going to just say a quick, quick thought that I want you to, to, to see with me. The, the sermon is about Mary and how Mary, after Jesus was born, started a new life. It was a start over moment for her. And throughout her life, she's an example of someone who modeled starting over. It's almost like she'd have a crucial conversation with herself. And say, I'm in a new season. And I can't go back to where I was. I can never go back. I am in a new place. And she had this crucial conversation with herself. So I looked up what McMillan said about crucial conversations. And basically, it's a discussion between two or more people where the stakes are high, opinions vary, emotions run strong, but they sit down and they have that crucial 
conversation. So the technical definition is you have one with you and someone else. But allow me a little liberty for a moment. I believe you have to have one with yourself. There are moments, and this could be the moment for you, where you need to have a crucial conversation about starting over, a crucial conversation about what next year is going to be like, a crucial conversation about what you can do to change your life. Mary, after the birth of Christ, there was this incredible moment where everything changed. Her reputation changed. The way people viewed her changed. And for some of you, you're in that place. Something has changed in your life. And until you sit down and have a crucial conversation, and maybe you need to include somebody else. You might need to do that. But it's crucial that you do that. I feel this church has to have a crucial conversation about the future and how we can protect it and what we can do to make sure that young people are still a part of our life. The average age in our church is about 30, 39 now. Now, I don't know that that's totally true because about 350 of you have not put your age in there yet. And we say hallelujah. So in January, I will be having a data review asking you to please, and if you have, a, you have a, an account, please go online and see if your age is in there. Are you one of the 350 people? There's 2,500 active members in our church and another whole bunch of y'all to come, and I need y'all to go in and put your age in. Hallelujah. Tell your neighbor, say, be proud of your age. Just don't ask him right now. They ain't going to tell you. All right. I love this quote, too, from the book. It said, the single biggest problem in communication is the illusion that it has taken place. The single biggest problem in communication is the illusion that it has taken place. George Bernard Shaw said that. There are moments in life when you've never had a conversation with yourself and about and with other people that you need to talk to. It's just never happened. And so let's have a conversation today. Life for Mary and Joseph after the birth of Christ was different. They had to live with misperceptions. They were branded with a new life. John chapter 8, verse 39 describes it. I love to read this verse because it brings home a conversation Jesus had with the Pharisees and the leaders. He's over 30 now, and they make a comment, and he and they, they go back and forth. Let me read to you verse 39. They answered and said to him, Abraham is our father, talking to Jesus. Jesus said to them, if, Abraham were your, your, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. Verse 40, but now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth, which I heard from God. Abraham did not do this. Verse 41, you do deed the deeds of your father. Then they said to him, we were not born of fornication. We know about your mama and your daddy. Joseph. Virgin birth, really? That's a moment. That's a brand. You ever had somebody accuse you of something that's not true? You ever had something you couldn't explain to somebody? Something happened to you and you can't explain it to anybody? They said, uh, you do the deeds of your father. They said, we are not born of fornication. Uh, Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God now, nor have I come of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? And he goes on. Bottom line is, 
It's a moment. Living with a brand that you can't change. Living with misperception. Some of you are there. And in this new beginning, you're going to have to accept that. You're going to have to accept that you will never be able to go back and explain everything to your children, your family, whoever you think needs to know. I must live with misperception. For example, there is a misperception that we have an ATM machine in the lobby and that I force you to go to it, give money to the church. I can't get that out of the air. It's this people just say, how many of you have heard that before? There's a seat. Look, look around you. Isn't that amazing? Would you please look for it when you get out in the lobby? I haven't seen it yet. There's a misperception that I ask you to give your W-2 form before you join the church. How many of you heard that one? Raise your hand. See that? Liar, liar, pants on fight. It's a misperception. I never said it. I wouldn't even join that church. But that's, that's what people say. Oh, don't go there. He asked for your W-2 form. Really? Why would I do that? It's none of my business. Let's be clear. But see, if you're going to be successful, you have to live with misperception. He think he all that. All what? <laughs> I love this. I like having women that, that are gifted and skilled, that have a voice. I like to let them speak. I like to let them lead. I pay them. I don't just pay the men the good salaries. I pay the women, too. I believe if you can do it, you can do it, male or female. Come on, do it. That's my view. Some people say, that's henpeck. Give dying too much power. Wouldn't let my wife be no executive director of administration. I love this. The preacher said, yeah, I, I might be henpecked as long as the, the, the hen that's pecking on me is a good pecker. <laughs> I thought that was good. I like that. Woo, that thing. I don't know if you like that or not. I don't know. I'm just quoting somebody. I didn't say I said that. I didn't say what he said. My wife is the humblest person, godliest person, hardworking person. I believe in empowering people. Black, white, small, yellow, tall, green. Maybe not green, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> Why are you fighting a misperception you can't change? Your whole life is built around changing their minds. That can't be your life assignment. Second thing. Mary had to live with loss and build again. When you get to Luke chapter 2, verse 41 in her story, you don't hear the name Joseph anymore. After Luke 2.41, when Jesus was 12 and was lost, I talked about that last week, you don't hear about Joseph. Joseph died, it's assumed. So now she has to change her life. She had to live with loss and build again. What's that like for your new beginning? Some of you are there. I know some of you. Some of you are watching me right now from home. I won't say your names, but I'm telling you, you hear me. Yes, sir. You hear me. Kyron, you're sitting there with that pretty little baby girl. New beginnings. Ha! Sit there in Texas, all happy with your child. <laughs> you look around you, your peace has changed. You are not sleeping. Nor your wife. Both of you. Life is challenging. I love you right, Sharon. You're right. That's second-guessing yourself. You're right about that, Sean, I believe it is. Second-guessing yourself. Going around struggling. Because now you've 
started a new life. Joseph is dead. Life is over. The world has changed. Everything is now different. They're gone. One of our members, just one of the members of our church, uh, a person who's been around for many years, and Elmer Thomas passed just yesterday. The great guy. And I remember um, as I go to these um, bedsides, and I, and I stand before crowds of people who've suffered loss, like Mary, at a new beginning. And they say things like, wow, what now? Fim and I just preached in Texas the other day for an extended family member who passed in a head-on collision. The sermon I preached to this 39-year-old young lady's funeral. What do we do with this? That was the title of my message. When you have a loss and you feel isolated and you feel by yourself, you need strength. And that's what Mary is a model of. Someone who showed us how to start over again. Even in a relationship. They, they may not have died physically, but relationally. Oh, man. The thought of that. They're no longer your friend like it used to be. It's, now there's tension. It's like a death. So Mary had to do something different. This is the third thought. Mary had to define life beyond a relationship. Say it with me, please. Come on. Define life beyond a relationship. Come on, say it again. Define life beyond a relationship. It's not just about being married to somebody. You know, one of the strangest thoughts in Scripture for me is that the Bible implies in Matthew 25, verse 30, that there won't be any marriage in heaven. Verse 30, for in the resurrection, Matthew 22, 30, for in the resurrection, they'll neither be married, married nor given in marriage, but are like angels. And I just want to say, when I get to heaven, I'm going to file a, file a request. <laughs> now, you don't have to agree with me. I, I don't care. I, I plan to ask for dying again. <laughs> I want to repeat. Heavenly repeat. No mortgage, no bills. I like the mansion part of it. <laughs> Man. But here's what I believe that teaches us. For some of us, all of our life here is about a relationship. And I'm happily married, 43 years, even though I got some people topping me today, 47. 47, stand up, come on, 47. Come on, give them 47 years. Come on, 47. All right. And I even got a 17-year-old man. A 17, stand up, 17. Come on, 17 years. Come on, give them a big hand. We have to form today. Anybody else been married? Marriage anniversary today? Anybody else? While I'm in the middle of my sermon? Okay. All right, that's it. <laughs> but if you're not careful, you define all of who you are by a marriage or a relationship. The sad thing is at some point you start without them. If you live long enough. I won't quote the stats I just read this morning. It's amazing. You get to certain ages, time be ticking. And you learn that God is saying, life is bigger than who you're with. You cannot allow your emotions to define. Mary had to learn how to embrace a new beginning without Joseph. And then 
Lastly, Mary, to me, modeled a history of maturity when it came to adjusting to change. She had to adjust her view of relationships. During the virgin birth moment when the angel came and told her, you're going to bear a son, that whole thing was going to change for her. Teenage girl about to be branded all of her life as a fornicator, misunderstood by people. She had to adjust to public persona, accepting the fact that I'm going to be publicly branded and known in a life that I never wanted to be known in. And I could never explain to everybody. They never believed me. She had to silently watch Jesus grow in front of her. I love the comment that was said so often by her. It says she kept these things in her heart. When she saw him do things, she kept those things in her heart. Here's what she knew. I'm starting over and God's with me. I'm starting over and God's with me. It's a new year and a new beginning, but I'm starting over. But who's with me? God's with me. I want you to stand on your feet. My time's up. I know, God, you care about us. And I know you care about all we have gone through this year. I know you care about our future. We've worshipped you today. We've honored you today. And we start over today. Tomorrow, Lord God, at 12 midnight tonight, we will rise to a new day. Count from zero again. One, two, three, and so forth. Thanking you for each day, celebrating for some a brand new beginning. Without people that we had in 2023, new jobs, new cities, new opportunities. Our thinking will be challenged all year. Help us to open our minds up, to think new thoughts without fear, with faith. Help me as a pastor to be fearless, to be confident. Thank you for the resources to do the work the people to do the work, the vision to do the work, the maturity to stick, stay in there. I thank you and I declare in Jesus' name there are things I want to see happen between now and next year. But here's what I want it to be more than anything. Abundantly above all I can ask or think. <laughs> Don't let it be limited to my thinking. Jesus. I lift my arms and my faith up. Come on, lift your arms and your faith up. And say, Father, have your way. Do the unexpected. Don't let my thinking be stagnant. Don't let my prayers be stagnant. In the name of Jesus, I want to rise above what I have lost. I will leave it with you and trust you for more. In the name of Jesus. With every head bowed, every hand down. In the name of Jesus, I pray, God, for those who don't know you, for some who've been away from you, may this be that moment where they say, Jesus, come into my life, be the Lord of my life. Let this be that moment. If that's you today and you want me to pray for you before we take communion, if that's you, I want you to simply raise your hand. I want to pray for you right there in your seat. You want to say, I have not been walking with God. I see you. Anybody else saying, I've not been walking with God, but I want to walk with God. Whether you're home or in the building, raising your heart or your hand. I want you all to be seated for a moment. I want you to grab your communion. We're going to leave praying and taking our communion together. For some of you, this is the rededication of your life. If you have not received one of these, go to the kitchen if you're home. Get you some juice. Get ready for us. Keep some at home in the refrigerator so you'll be ready for us. And every, every now and then we have this. We have it on, we're going to have it again next week as well, first Sunday. 
So make sure you get some. But peel back if you can the top layer. If you did not receive one, raise your hand if yours is not open. And peel back the second layer. Jesus says, often as you do this, you proclaim my death till you come. Communion is a reminder of what we believe. He paid a price for us. If you're here today and you did not receive one, raise your hand. If yours is not open, raise your hand. Father, we take the bread, believing it's a symbol of your body broken for us. We acknowledge you and what you've done for us. We ask you, Lord God, to let this be the moment. This is not a, an event for perfect people, but for honest people. If we flawed, we trust you. We bring our, our brokenness to you, believing you heal and forgive. And we thank you for it. And we partake in Jesus' name. Amen. And Lord, did you symbolizing your life given for us? We thank you for your forgiveness and for the chance to start again. We give you all glory and honor. In Jesus' name, partake. So we close this part of the service thanking you and believing you've made the difference in our life. We give you all the honor and all the praise in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. You glad you came?